Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of Live Your Personal Best. Today's episode is another fun one. I feel like we haven't done a lot of goal setting this summer. You know, we're kind of more focused on the fun aspects of health, fitness, athletics, movement, all of that. So today's guest is Ellen. She is a co-founder of the GIST newsletter. So it's a sports newsletter that I've been subscribed to for a long, long time. And basically, it breaks it down, you know, from a woman's perspective to other women focusing on sports that might not always make the centerfolds of newspaper or like primetime TV. And it highlights female athletes and their whole mission is to level out the playing field. So I love that. I've been following it for a while. And so I brought Ellen on today to talk to us more about, you know, what men and women like differently in sports coverage and how we can be supporting female athletes better and just, you know, what sparked her interest in even starting this, right? Like, is there even a difference in the men's and women's sports, right? Like, let's dive into it. So that is what we cover today. Can't wait for you to listen. And right before we jump right in, I did want to make sure that you are following along on Instagram. We are located at LiveYourPB, at LiveYourPB for more daily motivation in between episodes. So with that, I hope you enjoy. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Hey guys, today we are joined by Ellen. She's the co-founder of Gist, the newsletter, and the Gist of It podcast. It's a sports media company focused on celebrating underserved fans and athletes. Ellen, I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, Emily. It's great to virtually be here. Yeah. So I know I mentioned it before, but I've been a subscriber of the gist for a long time now and I love it. But if the listener, you know, might not be familiar with it, can you explain kind of like what the gist is and why you started it? For sure. So the gist is a digital sports media brand that's all about leveling the playing field in sports. We have a free localized four times weekly newsletter that goes out to both the U.S. and Canada and then regional locations throughout the U.S. as well um, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Sunday mornings that really gives the gist of what's up in sports in five minutes in a really fun conversational way. We have a sports business newsletter on the women's side of sports, which is really exciting for us. We have social media at the Just USA. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at the Just Sports on TikTok. And really why we started the Just So it was founded by myself and my two co-founders, JC DeHoop and Rosalind McClarty. We graduated from school and moved downtown and started working in corporate areas and financial services. And it was really there that we noticed that 
sports are such a social currency in our society. They really do have the ability to unite people regardless of, you know, age, race, religion, politics, what have you. But at the same time, what we were noticing is that a community that was constantly being left out of the sports conversation was women, non-binary folks, anyone who basically didn't fit that traditional male molds. And we thought that was really a shame because of the way sports can unite people, but also because we just didn't really feel like that was true. We felt like sports were for everyone. And when we looked at the traditional sports media landscape, it really was a place that was created by men for men, just based off of the historical fact that women weren't supposed to play sports, women weren't supposed to be interested in sports back when all of these leagues were being created. And so we really wanted to, and hopefully have been succeeding at creating an inclusive, accessible place for anyone, no matter what level of fandom, no matter who they are to engage with sports in a way that is actually enjoyable for them. Yeah. I love that so much because I, you know, my nine to five, it's also mostly men. And, you know, especially when we have the Zoom calls, you know, like the first five minutes of every Zoom call is like, okay, let's catch up on the sports that everyone watched. They're like, sure. what did you think about last night's game? And I'm always over here being like, who played last night? Like, what is this game? So I love that you guys are kind of like having a solution to that problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sports too, it's that safe space, right? Especially in the worlds that we live in right now, there's a lot of opinions and people on either side of those opinions, it feels like all the time um, versus sports and what happened last night is a way to really connect with people. And I think the biggest thing for us too, right, Emily, is like if if you're not interested in sports and if you're not watching sports, like that, that is totally fine. Like we're not saying that you, people should be following sports or anything like that. But what we're saying is, maybe people would enjoy sports more if they were talked about in a way that people actually enjoyed being spoken with or in a conversation with, you know what I mean? So we really do feel like uh, there's a way to just connect with people more through sports. And especially for people like yourself, right? Like it's not like you have time to watch an entire football game or you have time to watch sports center in the morning. And that's really helpful where you have, okay, quick five minute email. You can skim it. You can read it in 30 seconds. If you want, you can take in all five minutes if you want to, and you're going to be, you're, you're just going to feel confident and stay in the know of what's going on, on the sports side of the world. Yeah. No, I love what you mentioned there. You know, how can I be updated without watching the full game? And, you know, cause I'm located in Boston. So we're a huge sports city and I am someone that I think I'd consider myself interested in sports. You know, I was an athlete and even though I did rowing, which is not a popular sport, it's still interesting, you know, to like hear about the other athletes. Um, so have you always been a sports follower? Were you an athlete yourself? Like what's your backstory there? Yes. So of the three of us, so of JC, Roslyn and I, I am a very, very passionate avid sports fan. Um, always have been, always will be. Yeah, really, I can't remember my life without being a super passionate fan, probably since I was like three or four. My dad was a massive sports fan, and I just kind of followed along in his footsteps. I always thought I'd end up being a sports journalist or a broadcaster or something like that, but definitely listen to the rhetoric of there's only so much space for women in sports. You have to work really shitty hours. Oh, pardon my French. You have to work really bad hours. You have to, you know, get paid a little bit less because it's more of a passion industry and things like that and decided to go into business school as opposed to going to school for journalism and really happy that I found my way back into it. I did also play sports growing up, um, played a lot of soccer and basketball and figure skating. So I uh, was definitely into that scene. But I think 
kind of was different. I feel like Emily too, is that for a lot of women, we've had a lot of feedback of like, yeah, I played sports my whole life growing up, but for whatever reason, me being an athlete never translated to me being a super passionate sports fan. Like the fandom was really different. So as much as they grew up playing sports, that didn't necessarily translate to wanting to follow it day to day for a lot of folks, because it really felt like it was a a non-inclusive space. Mm -hmm. So what have you found in order to kind of drag or not drag, but like include the like female population and like, how did you like pull in their attention versus kind of what the mainstream sports are currently doing? Yes. So I think the biggest thing, honestly, Emily, when we're looking at our business model and when we were thinking about how we were going to set up the gist, when we were looking at traditional sports media, everything is like, for the authority, this is top down. This is how you speak about sports. This is black and red and blue. And we're going to put men and women and suits at a table and talk about sports. And we were like, what? This is kind of weird. This is not how millennials or Gen Z's or younger generations are actually speaking about sports and wanting to talk about sports. And that's certainly not how casual sports fans want to be spoken to about sports. And so the biggest thing with the gist is that we are all about the bottom up approach. So we started the gist because we felt the problem. We are fans ourselves. And because we actually know what people's day-to-day is like, we know that their days are not consumed by sports. We know that their days are consumed by their family and their career and schoolwork and everything like that. We feel like we know actually how to talk to people because we were those people beforehand. We did have a life and we weren't in this industry. And so I think it's, you know, a distilling the information, curating the information, providing context on that. But then also it's the voice and the conversation where it's like, let's take this a little bit less seriously. Let's have some fun with it. Let's actually make this a really enjoyable read. While at the same time, also talking about things that aren't talked about on sports center anywhere else. So a women's sports, we have equal coverage of men's and women's sports, which is a big deal, but we're also covering things like all of these anti-trans youth bills that are going on and anti-trans like girls and women's in sports. Like you're not going to see that be talked about on sports center. We're talking a lot about um, domestic violence and that correlation in sports and things like that too, that we really do know matter to an audience that isn't the avid male sports fan, um, but also that the avid sport, male sports fan is probably interested in as well. So there's a few different ways that we try to tackle it. And it's just kind of speaking in the way that we would want to be spoken to. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's funny that you kind of mentioned, you know, like guys that are up there in the suits. Cause yeah, every time my boyfriend puts on the sports center, that's what it is. It's like, you know, these fancy businessmen, they're like, oh, let's pull in the analyst. Yet when my boyfriend's like at the bar talking sports with his friends, like, you know, they're just like doing it over beers and they're not like talking like all the statistics that the sports center does. No, no, it's just it. Again, it's reaching that audience that's super passionate, that's avid sports fans, and that is largely male and that grew up with traditional media. You know what I mean? Like their target market is kind of middle aged, avid male sports fans versus we're recognizing that regardless of age, everyone is tuning in more digitally. It's across email, it's across TikTok, it's across Instagram, Twitter, what have you. And we need to be showing up in the places where they are actually scrolling and that actually are part of their routine and their life and do it in a way that's actually going to catch their attention. Yeah. And I love what you mentioned too. And I don't even know if you guys do this on purpose or not, but you're talking about, you know, these issues like the trans youth, uh, bills that are going on and domestic violence and all that you're almost like bringing this humanness 
to these athletes that usually isn't talked about. Usually it's like only their performance, only their sports. And now you're kind of like opening up this whole idea of like everything that impacts sports. Yeah, totally. I think the intersectionality is something that's really interesting to our fan base, which again is majority female and non-binary um, and a lot of LGBTQ plus community as well. Um, and I think that intersectionality, totally to your point, actually makes athletes relatable to us because <laughs> for the average person, even if you grew up as an athlete, you're not going to be looking at Megan Rapinoe and be like, oh yeah, you're so relatable. You've won so many gold medals and world championships. You know what I mean? But what, what makes Megan Rapinoe relatable is her her spunk and her energy and her fire and the way that she dyes her hair and the way that she like shows herself on social media and the way that she talks about Sue and everything like that is more relatable to us being like, oh, she's fighting for equal pay. I'm fighting for equal pay at work. Oh, she's, you know, proposing to her girlfriend. Oh, well, I'm thinking of going through this too. You know what I mean? So I think, um, especially for casual fans, that relatability, but also the storytelling really becomes important way more so than who scored last night and what the stats were and, you know, who was a pitcher on the mound in the ERA. All those things are important, but I think they level up and I think the storytelling is just way more fun. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And so for you, you know, a big emphasis is that you also have coverage of women's sports. You say that it's like roughly 50-50 do you see like the greater sports coverage kind of going in that direction? Like, do you think that we'll start to get more female and like women's sports coverage? Or do you still think that it's kind of like stuck in the same core sports? It's a really tough question, Emily, because I think there still is a lot of chicken in the egg. It has improved so much since we started the gist. It's awesome to see. We're really, really th- thrilled with the progress. So when we started the gist, of sports journalists were women, Uh, female athletes were only receiving 4% of media coverage, and they were only receiving, I think it was 0.6% of endorsement money. Sadly, the stats haven't improved that much, but they have improved, which is, I think, something that we could be really thrilled about. So now in terms of female sports journalists, it's anywhere between 16 to 18% in North America, um, in terms of sports coverage, it's between five and 6%. And in terms of endorsement money, it's pushing that 1%. So not a, it's still bad, right? Like those stats are still brutal, but they have improved by smidge and we will take a smidge because hopefully that means at some point in our generation, we'll at least get up to 20% coverage on women's sports and female athletes. Yeah, no, hopefully that's the goal. Cause I, You know, we'll sometimes see, you know, I think this past year, like the March Madness stats, like the women's coverage for that was great this year. Like it broke all the records. And so it's like, so clearly there's interest. Maybe that can like keep building on each other. I know the Olympics also help a lot. Like people love tuning into the women's sports during the Olympics. So I think that we're definitely, hopefully (laughs) going to start seeing that more and more soon. Yeah, I really hope so. It really is. A lot of folks who say that um, women's sports just don't bring in the same revenue, they're right. They, they don't bring in the same revenue, but they also don't have the same investment. The amount of money that people are willing to pour into men's sports in comparison to women's sports is jaw-dropping. And then the amount of coverage that media properties are willing to give men's sports in comparison to women's sports is also jaw-dropping. It's kind of similar to the workplace where 
women are promoted or, or hired based off of their resume and what they have done versus men are hired or promoted based off of their potential. It's the same thing in sports. It's like, okay, you see all these male athletes in men's sports, they get invested in and get put on air because people see their potential and rightfully see their potential. I don't want to take anything away from men's sports. Like they should also be bet on, but women's sports have proven um, that they have that potential and that they do so well, but it's just, they're not being bet on the follow through isn't there from media and people with big pockets and spending. So that's the most frustrating part is we need to stop doing this chicken and the egg dance and just be like, okay, let's put some money into women's sports and see them rise. Because to your point, March Madness is a perfect example. U.S. Women's National Team is a perfect example. WNBA is a perfect example. NWSL is. And that's all just happened in the last three years. Yeah. No, I've never thought of it that way. Because like Megan had to wait until, you know, she had more championships than the men's soccer team in order to try to negotiate equal pay. Whereas there's so many male athletes that they will sign like 10 year contracts, get injured year one, but like no one cares of like, Oh, he didn't deserve that money. Then it's just part of it for men's sports. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wild. Just even looking at the average paychecks of, you know, NBA in comparison to WNBA, something like 50 times more in terms of average check size. Again, they started way earlier though too, right? So we have to recognize that when the women's sports space is almost in this startup scale up spa- uh, phase, whereas a lot of men's sports leagues are definitely almost like companies, you know what I mean? They've been around for a long time, so it makes sense. But I think um, we we have to bet on women in the same way that we bet on men a uh, hundred years ago when these leagues were starting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know that you are based in Canada where you grew up, but now you're in the U.S. market. What differences do you notice between the sports industry and two in the two places? Oh, my gosh. It is wildly different. It's so interesting being a Canadian and now working, especially on the content team. So I'm on the I'm the head of content. So on the content side of things, um, working with our mostly American team. Now we have a few Canadians who we work with, but because our audience is so much bigger in the U.S. and there's so much more opportunity in the U.S., the majority of our content team is American and I love it because y'all care about sports so much more than Canada does. So I think a lot of it has to do with the school systems too. So as much as, you know, our universities are pretty big with sports, each university is pretty different in terms of what sport they care about. There's not full ride scholarships here in the same way that there's full ride scholarships in the U.S. So a lot of Canadian athletes end up going to the U.S. to get full ride scholarships. High school sports are certainly not a big deal except for you know, the big like provincial tournaments or regional tournaments and things like that versus you guys like QB one is literally a show that's all about high school football. Um, And so just the culture of the U S literally across the entire country in terms of sports being part of your DNA or part of the culture really since high school means that the target market and people who are interested in sports is just way higher than what it is in Canada. And it's through every level. It's high school, college, pro sports, and then beyond. And then the alumni care about those college sports. So um, I love it. I will say uh, Canada just is obsessed with hockey. And so we're always going to lean into that. Um, And then Canada is a lot more, I'd say, nationalistic and like proud of their Canadian folks. So as much as I feel like the U.S. will say like American X and Y did this um, for 
our Canadians. They really do care about a specific Canadian player who's able to accomplish whatever is going on. So Andrew Wiggins is in the NBA finals with the Golden State Warriors and everyone's like, oh my God, Andrew Wiggins in Canada. So um, there, there's a lot of differences, but I love uh, talking sports with with Americans. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've always kind of, you know, heard how Americans are obsessed with their sports, but then, you know, you guys started in Canada. So I was like, Oh, maybe they're the same way, but it sounds like you guys are the same way with hockey. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'd say, uh, yeah, we're, we're into the pro sports, but not into college or high school in the same way that I feel like a lot of uh, Americans are. I mean, unfortunately have no pro women's leagues up here. So you know, have to find a team in the U.S., but it's hard when you can't, you know, watch the games and things like that up here. So it's really different on the women's side of things too. Yeah, that's so interesting. Cause that's kind of us with soccer. Like I know so many people that will wake up early and like tune in at like 6 a.m. to like the U.K. soccer game. So it's kind of funny when like you don't personally have a team, like you'll still kind of go out and try to find one to connect with. <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Yeah. And I'd love to hear, I don't know if you like know this information, but like what type of sections from the newsletter are the most popular? Like what are people seem to be like most interested in with sports? Oh, that's such a good question. So we do, and we don't know this answer (laughs) from a podcast. So our podcast, the gist of it, I would say that there's two kind of podcast types and then we'll get into the newsletter type. So on the podcast side of things, our audience really loves kind of the previews and they love football and March Madness have been kind of some of our top podcasts. So our preview to the Super Bowl, preview to the NFL playoffs, preview to March Madness, those types of things that really set people up for the season or set people up for the playoffs do really well. And then the other type is kind of that intersectionality that we were talking about before, but from a very newsworthy place. So some of our top podcasts have been kind of the intersection with Barstool Sports and the now PHF, but formerly NWNHL and when, or sorry, NWHL and when there was a lot of drama there or Valieva, the Russian figure skater and us kind of covering that doping scandal. We had a lot of people tune in then or Deshaun Watson, of course, and everything that's been going on with him. We have a lot of people tune in that way. So it's kind of that newsworthy intersectional aspect of sports and kind of what else is going on. And then from a newsletter perspective, it's a little bit different just based off of the topics that we are talking about. So in the podcast, we can kind of get into these topics that we like to call WTF topics a little bit more in comparison to the newsletter. Um, So in the newsletter, we generally have a section that goes out to North America, that's kind of a big one. So, you know, NBA finals, NHL playoffs, WNBA finals, kind of season previews, whatever's going on. And then we have a quick hit section that's kind of like this, 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 and this. When we put out our Olympic newsletter, we did ask people what were their favorite kind of stories. And it was always the first story because it was kind of like, this is what's happening in the Olympics. This is what you need to know. And it wasn't a lot of feedback we actually had from our American audience was that in the Olympics, NBC really just covers American athletes as opposed to covering kind of internationally what's going on. And so we tried to have that international angle. And a lot of our Americans really love that because they were like, this story was actually not covered for us. And then the quick hit section, because I think it's just fun, takes you two minutes to kind of get caught up on everything that's not big story worthy, but it's good to have a couple sentences just to know what's happening. Yeah. 
No, that is so interesting because I'm a huge Olympics fan. I watch almost all the sports, but yeah, you're right. Like I never noticed. It's like, okay, yeah, you hear about all the cool American stories, but you might not get that insight into the international athletes. Um, so it's kind of, you know, like bringing back to that, like, mission that you guys have of like the bottom up approach uh, for sports, which I, I love. And, you know, especially being from a minority sport someday, I hope Rowan gets a little bit of fame that it deserves. Oh my gosh, totally. Well, I'm sure the Olympics are so great for sports like rowing and things like that too. So um, I'm glad that Paris is coming up very shortly, especially with the delay, right? So we can wait a little bit less there. Yes, I love that so much. Well, is there any like one last piece of advice that you'd love to leave with everyone today? I Yeah, I always have a tough time with this question. I don't know why, because I feel like there's everyone is coming from such a unique place kind of in their life and in their world and what they're working on. I feel so lucky to be able to work with two of my best friends about something that I'm really, really passionate about and grew up always being, always caring about something so deeply has been so nice. And I recognize that that's, yeah, that's definitely a privilege that I do have. I think the biggest thing that's been helpful to us as we kind of go through all this is the mindset of, we're always going to figure it out because we have just the best team ever. It's always going to work out. We just have to eat the elephant to get there. And so that you're not overwhelmed day to day or when you're looking at a macro perspective or a micro perspective of like, holy, we have so much to do. How are we going to do this? Our recession's looming. How do we change this? What What's going on versus eating the elephant of, you know, taking small bites of the elephant all of a sudden, the elephant, it, you're, you're going to accomplish kind of that, that big, hairy, audacious goal when you're slowly chipping away at things and being okay that sometimes it's a slow chip. You're not going to finish it kind of in one bite is something that I try to keep in mind a lot. Yeah, I love that so much. Sounds like you have such a great team. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people subscribe to the newsletter, podcast, all of that? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Emily. So you can subscribe to the newsletter at thegistsports.com and that's uh, the G-I-S-T sports.com. Um, check us out on social at the Just USA on Instagram and Twitter at the Just Sports on TikTok. And yeah, please listen to our podcast. We love to get everyone's feedback. It comes out on Tuesday and Thursdays and it's hosted by myself and one of my best friends, um, Seth Rotz, and it's called The Gist of It. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.